Welcome to Sadie's Divorced and Happy Podcast, where I discuss life after divorce with a playful, spicy, fresh perspective. Every episode includes burning questions, lively 10-minute talks, and tips to happiness. Are you ready for an amazing act two? Then join me on today's episode. It's time to get your new beginning started. I am so glad you could join me on this episode today, and I'm going to start us out with a burning question just for you. You know how I love my burning questions. Is it easy for you to mind your business? And I'm not asking if you occasionally get caught up in some pop culture gossip, or if you interject your opinion on social media, which we all do, or if you give unsolicited advice to your girlfriend about who she's dating, or if she should get another cat. I'm not asking about that. I am asking if you mind your own business when it comes to your ex, or do you feel that you are still putting too much energy into his or her behavior. I know for myself, it is hard for me to mind my business when I've given someone else too much power over my peace of mind or my happiness. And I did this a lot in my marriage. If my ex had a bad day, instead of just letting him figure it out for himself, I would work really hard to help him get into a better mood, to make him feel happier because if he was happier, then that meant that I could be happier. I was too caught up in his business. I was not minding my own business. And now looking back, I should have instead practiced letting him figure out how to manage his emotions on his own. Because as I know now, after my divorce, happiness is an inside job. I didn't understand that when I was married. So how about you? Are you still finding that you're focusing too much on your ex, what he's doing, who she's dating, how he's parenting your kids differently, how she's managing money differently. Maybe you still have feelings for your ex and you're still grieving the relationship that you once had. I mean, I get it. I really do. And that's why I invited psychologist Dr. Natalie Jones to give you and me some advice on how we can all mind our business better. I follow Dr. Jones on Instagram. I read her posts daily. They're very inspiring and wise and calming. And I know that she's going to give some great advice today. So if If you are ready to mind your own business and focus less on your ex and his or her behavior and more on yourself and your healing and happiness, this episode is for you. Now, join me in getting to know Dr. Jones better with some burning questions. Burning questions. Let's turn up the heat for 60 seconds. Well, I am here to turn up the heat with my guest, Dr. Natalie Jones. Are you ready for your 60 seconds of burning questions? I am. Okay. I want you to answer as many as you can within the 60 seconds, and these have been tailored just for you. Here we go. On a scale of one to 10, how much do you like talking about your feelings? Five. If you weren't a therapist, what would you want to be? A veterinarian or a doctor. What's your favorite therapeutic word? Reframe. Where's your happy place? The beach. Would you ever play a psychologist on a TV drama? Absolutely. Do most people ignore red flags? Yes. Most people that come to me do. Yes. Have you ever been hypnotized? No. Human behavior is? Fascinating. Would you rather live in a house full of cats or dogs? Oh, God, none of the above. Uh, But cats, I guess, if I got to pick a poison. (laughs) 
do you love or hate the DSM-4? I'm kind of in between. I, I use what I need and leave the rest on the floor. On a scale of one to 10, how much do you like the sound of silence? I love it. Segment Freud is? Overrated. He needs to go somewhere. Do you have a name for your podcast microphone? Oh, did I name it? No, I haven't named it. I've never thought to. Is it hard for you to mind your business, Dr. Jones? No. No. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Well, that was fun for me. I enjoyed learning some new things about you today. I'm sure the listener did as well. And I know we're all excited to learn from you how we can mind our business better. It's so hard for us to mind our business, isn't it? Why is that? Why is that, Dr. Jones? I think there's this saying um, that misery loves miserable company. Mm. And I think, you know, especially now with the new millennial generation, people feel entitled Um, In the news, you know, the news or other media outlets, they encourage the right to know or the need to know. And then there's Google and Google knows everything. And so there's this, you know, our world, our technology is pushed by having the need to know something at all times, having the need to access information at all times when we don't know it. So I just think that's like a societal push of the new generation. You know, there's something that's very attractive for a lot of people when you see people doing poorly or, you know, that are not doing so well, you know, especially like mega stars like Kim K and all those kind of people like that. That's why we still have those magazines like us people, you know, today. We just like to get our nose into other people's business. We, we? we do. We do. We love it. We love it. When it comes to breakups, like a divorce, I've been divorced. Obviously, I have this podcast about life after divorce. I Mm -hmm. think it's fair to say a lot of people after a divorce, going through a divorce, you're obsessing about your ex a lot. Mm -hmm. What is he doing? Why is he doing that? What is he thinking? What's going to happen? And you're not really focusing, at least I'm going to own my my own choices. I wasn't really focusing on myself. So Mm -hmm. can you talk to the listener about why do we obsess about our ex so much beyond a stranger, beyond a celebrity? Yeah, I can talk a little bit about that. And I think that happens for various reasons. And I can speak about the people that come to see me. Number one is closure. A lot of people have the idea that closure is, you know, supposed to look like this Ryan Gosling romantic moment or what have you. And it does. In the rain. You know, such a great ballad. We're supposed to have this magical lovemaking session and talk about why it didn't work, cry it together and, you know, come to this beautiful climactic ending. And it doesn't work like that. That a lot of times there's an argument or a rift or people ghost or just walk out or something happens and it's fractured and the other person is left feeling like business is unfinished, right? And so they feel like they want to finish up some stuff and then that other person has the nerve to move on. Like, what are they doing and why did they do this to me? Or, you know, the other reason is there's some lingering hope that, you know, this is a phase or, you know, you'll have a come to Jesus moment and we'll get back together, you know? And so I feel like those are the main things or, you know, people are curious, like who's, Who's so special that they get to be in your life after me? Are they better looking than me? What does that person have that I don't have? How did you seem to move on so fast? Were you sleeping with that person before we were even done? You know, these sort of obsessive, ruminative thoughts. And, you know, fourthly, what I will mention is we still have some feelings around the end of our relationship. We could be bitter. We could, you know, and that, you know, part of that I feel like is grief and loss. 
And so part of grief and loss is that anger that uh, maybe bargaining uh, to come back or, you know, just that, you know, feeling of depression. And so it becomes like this thing where, you know, we're grieving over a loss of someone that gets to carry on, you know, they get to carry on and they don't seem to be grieving like I'm grieving. They don't seem to be suffering. Why is that? You know, so a plethora of reasons, but I would say those are like the crux of what I see. And here's a question I have for you because the brain is so complex. One thing that I've learned just through my own interest is learning how the brain is always trying to fix a problem, solve a problem. And I know, I'll speak for myself again, I, I know when it comes to like breakups and things like that, I feel like my brain is trying to fix the problem, right? It's mm-hmm. like, okay, how can I remedy this? How can I fix this? How can I make this better? Mm-hmm. Can you speak to that? I think there's, um, again, that speaks a lot to our generation. Right. Especially if you're a woman, you know, women of color or just, you know, a woman in general, there's this idea for women. A woman is only worth something if she's got a partner. Right. And or she's having a family, she's producing something out of that relationship, you know, and a lot of times women have this pressure. Are you married yet or what's going on? And so there's this constant grooming of a woman to be married, to have children. It's deep conditioning, isn't it? Yeah, it is very deep conditioning from, you know, just society, from family. There's, you know, so that's it almost becomes like if that has to be a part of your identity and if it's not, there's something wrong with you. And, you know, it's unheard of for a person to be happy single, right? Unless you're a man. If you're a man, then you're a bachelor, you're an OG, you're very dapper, you're balling, you've got it going on. And, you know, even better if you're sleeping with five, 10, seven, eight, nine, whatever women, you know, you're even better, you're glorified. But if a woman is single, she's viewed as a spinster, um, an old maid. And so it, you know, has all these sort of negative connotations that come with it. So you think women are doing more of this obsessing than men are? Is that what you're I don't think so. Saying? I think women have, uh, I think it's equal. However, what happens is I think, I think men and women are objectified in different ways. Men are objectified in this way that has them being more masculine and almost kind of like without feelings, you know? And so, and when I, when I say that is I think that men are given a pass, like, you know, it's okay for you to just kind of do these things and feel this way. Um, you know, and if a man feels entitled, that's that man's right. And he's just being a man. And that's what men do, right? Versus women, you know, women are kind of, you know, looked at as fragile and coddled and, oh, you need to get over it. And it's like this sort of negative thing, or like, you just, you need to kind of dress yourself up and you need to go back out there and be productive and get another one because otherwise people are going to look at you differently. So I think there's this objectification and these are just some, not all, but I think they're, we're just objectified differently. And so it plays out differently, but I definitely think that we, you know, we kind of obsess over it differently um, and with different perspectives and different cultural norms, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. And one question I have just to follow up with that comment that you just made is, do you think women become because of how we're conditioned, this deep conditioning, that we are so much more invested into relationships in general because of this deep conditioning that when they end, it's it's harder for us 
to move on because of this deep conditioning that we have around relationship and being in a relationship. Do you think there's a correlation there? I think that's part of it, especially, I think that's the huge part of it, especially when you hear, you know, a lot of times you'll hear women say, you know, I spend so much time with this man, you know, and for us, time is a different concept because there's a biological clock attached to it, right? Or there's this negative connotation. And so it's looked at if, you know, I spent this much time with this man and the relationship has failed, then I'm a failure, right? Because, you know, when we're taught very early on to sort of internalize that we are groomed for a man's eyes, we're groomed for a man's pleasure, right? Our sexuality, if you think about it in the traditional format, we have to look pretty and dolled up for a man. And to if be we picked, don't, right? To be picked, be picked right? That's right. the thing too. So I think even just the notion of being picked is like a fear-based attachment. Mm. I'm not being picked, right? Right. You know what this I mean? So there's definitely stop picking me if we're divorced. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think there's that conditioning that goes along with that. And, you know, just kind of like this finger pointing at a woman, like it must be you that there's something wrong with you. But, you know, again, that's those are my two cents. So how does someone soothe herself or himself if they're feeling like they're just really focused on the other and, and not minding their business and obsessing? <laughs> what, what are some ways someone can soothe himself or soothe herself that is healthy? Some healthy distractions. Can you share some recommendations? Yeah. Usually when people are kind of doing that, um, you know, they're doing that in isolation, right? Every now and then you have people that will kind of like have a bestie or a friend squad that'll be like, hey, your ex is doing such and such with so-and-so, right? And so I think um, it's going to cause for different, um, each situation's cause for different sort of boundaries. So if you're at home and you're kind of like ruminating, you're crying, you're watching these sort of sappy movies, one of the things that I would advise is to get up and get out of isolation, change up your routine. You know, part of having that routine is like, oh, you know, I would come home to he or she, you know, and we would do X, Y, and Z. And now that person's not there anymore. So now I'm by myself and I'm lonely and I'm frustrated and I'm sad and I don't know what to do with myself. So I would say develop a new routine, figure out some way to spend your time instead of coming home and being alone. Why not go out and try the new restaurant up the corner? Why not go to the Barnes and Nobles and sit there and read a book? Why not go to the beach? Why not do something that's kind of outside of that norm so that you're not sitting there? Plan something with friends if you can. Take the long way home. Walk. You know, so that would be that kind of thing. Also, limit your time on social media because that can also be a trigger. Watching other people have their families being coupled up and, oh, now that I see that couple, now I'm going to scroll over to my ex's profile and see what they're doing. You know, limit your time. Know what your triggers are. Um, So stop doing that. And I think also too, the one thing to note is time, you know, in the way that you don't want to allow someone else to steal your joy. That person was a part of you and it's okay to grieve that loss, but be sure to move on. Don't let that consume you um, and don't let that enrage you or infuriate you or, you know, just sort of um, make you feel like you're obsessed or jealous. You know, part of moving on is identifying your own sort of closure. And even if that comes with talking with a therapist about it, like, hey, listen, 
I, I know that what I'm doing is not healthy and I know that I'm grieving, but it's taking up too much of my time and energy. Too much of my headspace, right? Too much of my headspace. And I just want to move on. I am so grateful to have this conversation with you. I know that I am continuing to practice minding my business, Dr. Jones, <laughs> and it feels very empowering being three years out of a divorce and, and just nice. being being good with, you know, you be yeah. you, I be me, I'm good. But it is a journey and it it is a process. And I think getting professional support was a great benefit to my life. And so I'm just so grateful that there are practitioners like you who are willing to be on podcasts, who are providing her own podcast, which we'll talk about shortly. And it's just yeah. so wonderful to have you share some of these ideas for the listener if he or she is stuck in an obsession about their ex, that they can learn how to mind their business. It is possible. Yes. Even if it feels yes. overwhelming right now, practicing the things you suggested, working with a professional, you can get through this. Absolutely. And everyone's different. Everything is a case by case basis. So if you have mental illness or if you've added some alcohol and substances to the mix, right, those things can um, certainly exacerbate or change the outcome. But I definitely, and it's not a one size fits all, but I think we have to find your special groove so that you can move on. And life does go on. And I think, you know, when people break up, a lot of times they think that the world stops. My world is over. They're gone. And that's not true. The world keeps spinning on its axis and everyone continues to go on. So you have to find the best way to pick yourself up and move on also. But allow yourself that space to grieve in a healthy way. Right. And Versus I think that's numbing or distracting yourself with unhealthy behavior mm -hmm. to not cope with your grief. Yeah. And also not to internalize. That's the other piece. Mm. I think we yeah, talk about that. What, you know, again, kind of going back to those norms, I think people are taught, you know, that they have to be perfect. Yeah. And as Especially being, women. Yeah, yeah. And, and people, you know, if you're taught to be a people pleaser, what people pleasers do when they, they have a breakup is they internalize and they say, it's my fault I wasn't doing something right, right? Because that's conditioning yes. that you've had. Um, and it's usually deep rooted and it means that you're not successful. And so if you're not successful, I have to see what's going on and why I wasn't successful and how could they be happy without me? And I'm going to take the blame for why we broke up. And so those are, those are some things, but then there's also people like if you're part of the other demographic I work with, with narcissists, you know, is who I work with. One of the reasons why they obsess is it's control um, and control, meaning that, you know, you belong to me and therefore you are an extension of me. And this relationship isn't over until I want it to be over. Um, and so, you know, if you go out and make your own decisions, you decide that you want to leave, you decide that you want to do whatever. I'm not okay with that if I'm a narcissistic person. And, you know, it doesn't even matter if I broke up with you 20 times mm -hmm. and I moved on with somebody else, right? I don't like the fact that you're doing this because I, even though I don't want you, I don't want anybody else to have you either. And it's all about that element of control. And so there's also that darker side of obsession as well. And that can be very dangerous um, after leaving a relationship. 
Well, if you are interested in learning how to mind your business more effectively and to have that happy act too that you deserve, I want you to find Dr. Natalie Jones. And how can the listener do that? Oh, yeah. They can go to my website, drnataliejones.com. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, Dr. Natalie Jones ID, and that's DR period, Natalie Jones ID um, on both Instagram. And, you know, everything is posted up on my website also. So you can always go there. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, you can also find me on my podcast, uh, which is all about narcissism and narcissistic abuse in relationships and learning to overcome that uh, so that you can get the healthy relationship you want, need, and deserve. It's called a Date with Darkness podcast. You are such a beautiful force, Dr. Jones. Again, thank you so much for being part of this episode. Thank you. And so are you. That conversation was so empowering for me, and I hope it felt the same for you. I know that when I feel empowered, I also feel happy, which makes it the perfect time to share a tip to happiness with you. Say these tips to happiness. I've been thinking a lot about why do we ruminate and fixate on people after they've left our lives, and I'm going to take a stab in the dark, but I think it's because they have fulfilled a need that we have, a basic human need the need to feel loved, the need to feel known, the need to feel valued, the need to feel safe. And I don't think we need to be married to have our needs met. That's not what I'm saying. You and I are in a lot of different relationships. We have friends, we have family members, we have coworkers, we have children. And my tip to happiness this week for you today is to write a list of what you need from the people you're in relationship with. I know maybe that sounds really foreign to you and I'm I'm going to admit that I also need some practice when it comes to identifying what I need in relationship. I'm used to giving. Needing is newer for me, but I was recently asked a question a few weeks ago. Specifically, it was, what do you need from me? And and that question, it kind of, it threw me for this internal loop because not many people ask me this, but I liked it. I liked being asked what I need. It was refreshing. It was kind of magical. And then after sharing what I needed with this person, he's actually been doing it, which is exciting. I know. And since then, I have been practicing telling other people in my life what I need from them in relationship. And I'm just going to say, it's really been working out for me. So my tip to happiness this week for you is to write a list of what you need from the people in your life. I want you to take a step. I want you to take a step, be vulnerable, just a baby step and share one of these needs with one or two people that you feel safe with. Tell them what you need. And I have a feeling it will bring you some happiness. So you and I this week, what are we going to do? We are going to practice minding our own business, focusing less on our ex, more on our healing and our happiness, and also focusing on what we need when it comes to relationship with others. Please be sure to also follow, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. You can also follow Sadie's Divorced and Happy Podcast on Instagram and Facebook, and be sure to visit the website, divorcedandhappy.net where you'll find all of my podcast episodes and my blog on life after divorce. If you've found value in this episode or if you've been listening to the podcast for a while now, I would love it if you would consider buying me a cup of coffee. It's simple. Just visit buymeacoffee.com backslash Sadie Marie and you can buy me a cup or two and I thank you in advance for your support. I'm your host, Sadie Marie, and I cannot wait to connect with you on the next podcast episode. Till then, you take good care.